Hello there, and welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast. You're listening to it right now. We're here to discuss board, card, and all kinds of tabletop games, role-playing games too. We've got news, game discussion, and more for you today or tonight or whenever you're listening. My name is Jonathan Estes. I'm Will Keeler, and I hope you all had a good weekend, whether it was with a partner or giving yourself that break, that well-deserved break. <laughs> or the Super Bowl, right? That was the or good- the Super Bowl, too, <laughs> yes. But uh, I imagine there could be many people who are actually a bit sour from that. <laughs> mm, yeah, because of the commercials weren't that good, right? <laughs> uh, I was going with the other team, but I, I haven't heard anything about the, the other team. Which one the, is the, the one first lost. team? The, uh, the Ram- uh, if you're a Rams fan, you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm a Rams fan. Not of the team, but like the animal. I just li- I like I like Rams. Uh, this is a board game podcast, which means I'm, we're not here to talk to you about sports. I don't understand any of it. Uh, we are here to talk to you about tabletop games, and we are going to begin uh, the show, of course, by checking in with our podcast mascot, who goes by the name of Roland F. Criterion. A dollar to anyone who can figure out the origins of that name. Not really, or a fake dollar. Uh, every week we check in with Roland, who goes on various adventures, and we're going to have to roll to help him get out of a sticky situation. If you missed it last week, Roland was trying to break a freedom fighter out of prison. He is, of course, by the way, a, an, As- an Asimar bard character. And uh, in doing so, he was caught by the sheriff, but was able to convince the sheriff that he was there to test the strength of the prison bars. Uh, He successfully rolled a charisma on that to get out of that jam. So the sheriff does believe his story uh, and he, he he's, he's welcoming him. In fact, he says, He's he's like great. I'm so glad you're here. You know, I I was I've been waiting for the bar tester to come for months now. They've been all backed up. I'm glad you're here to check it out. Uh, you know how I always like to, to test the the strength of the prison bars, the jail cell bars. I've got a spare one here. Uh, I like to pick it up and beat the prisoners over the head with it to see how strong it is. So why don't you go ahead and do that for me? And he tosses him a a, a sawed off jail cell bar. What's Roland going to do? Will he comply or will he try to turn the tables? I don't know. We're going to need help with this one. That's why I'm excited because we have a guest this week joining our party. He is a writer and designer, created games like Space Cadets and Super Skill Pinball. Welcome to the show all the way from New Jersey, Jeff Engelstein. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for coming on. Happy to have you here. Uh, excited to talk to you, pick your brain about the different uh, board game topics today. But before we get into that, we do need your help. We yeah, a bit of a moral input. quandary. <laughs> what We need <laughs> you to figure out, help us decide, what should Roland do in this situation? Does he does he listen? Does he, does he go along with this plan? Or does he find some other way out of it? And if you have any questions about his inventory or stats or anything else, I'm happy to supply you with that information. This is uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and feel free to get crazy with it. We don't. Uh, you, you can take him in any direction that you want. <laughs> no judgment here. Uh, okay, I, I didn't realize there was going to be a quiz involved with this, but sure. Uh, so, we like to throw our guests through a loop, you know, right off the bat. Well, you know, whenever I ask to, uh, so so option A is to start beating the prisoners over the head with a with a with a metal bar metal mm-hmm. uh, pipe. Is that correct? That's definitely one <laughs> option. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I, I would I would look to uh, you know agree to that obtain said metal pipe, and then once armed, I feel like I would have a lot more options. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, I think he's handed it to you. So, is, is your option to are you going to fight back against the sheriff here? 
I, yeah, I, I think that Roland fights the law. I yeah. think that's. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Now this is exciting because I Roland usually gets out of situations with his charisma alone. <laughs> uh, this might be the first time we've actually had him like in any kind of physical altercation here. So. Now- yeah. Maybe he has a vivid advantage because I think this is a bit of a surprise attack. I know he's not a rogue. <laughs> oh, so you but... want advantage on this? Sure, I'll give it to you. I, I wasn't even thinking advantage, just like a plus. <laughs> but sure, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm the uh, fake dungeon master on this podcast <laughs> for this fake D&D game. So uh, Will will roll two d20s. He'll do a strength. Uh, uh, well, not just a straight strength. I guess, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll treat it just like it's an attack. And you roll and we'll see... Uh, Oh, you have, he has a zero strength bonus. So we're going on straight D20 numbers. <laughs> All right. Let's see how this goes. Well, that first roll is already pretty good at an 18. I don't think we're going to okay. beat that. See? See? That's yeah. a sign that right. we made the right choice. Yep. That 18 is our, our number to go with. <laughs> All right. Well, that means that Roland is able to successfully turn around and thwack the sheriff take him by surprise and uh now he's got the upper hand and he's got access to the keys he could he can free all these wrongfully imprisoned folks you know i i really thought that he was gonna uh not make it out of this one because when a, a musician <laughs> fights the law he, the law wins yeah. yeah well that's that's why it was surprised you see <laughs> this is a real this is an underdog story all right so we are done with roland now we have Things to discuss, starting, of course, with board game news in the news roundup. News roundup. Yeah. Aren't you glad you came on the show already, Jeff? You're having, you're having a good time so far. Right? Absolutely. Sure. Okay, good. We, we try to we make everybody feel welcome here. All right. Some, uh, some interesting stories this week. The first one involves the crowdfunding platform GameFound, which we've discussed before and which we'll be talking about again. Uh, later on in the show, I think. And this is like Kickstarter, but of course, GameFound is exclusively for board game related projects. And uh, it was sort of started off by Awaken Realms and other companies have done their own projects through it. Now it's been announced that Ravensburger, publisher behind uh, Castles of Burgundy, all kinds of different titles over the years, uh, is becoming a big investor in GameFound, specifically to the tune of uh, 4 million euros is the figure that I read. And they are going to be involved strategically uh, in the decisions going forward with GameFound, as well as helping them financially to get more of more features up and running and more projects off the ground. Uh, they also did indicate their desire to perhaps crowdfund some of their own games on GameFound in the future, but no specific uh, details about what games those might be or when. Jeff, I'm curious what your take is on game found versus kickstarter uh, how, how you feel it's been as a platform for board games if you think it's been successful and what maybe the ravensburger investment might change if anything for them going forward um yeah i i, I thought this was really interesting when i saw it I, you know i i famously this is this is going back years now but but when all this kickstarter stuff was getting started i i famously predicted year after year after year that this was going to be the year when people wised up and stopped using kickstarter uh, <laughs> and, and i've been wrong time after time uh so my my uh, my predictive abilities are, are a little bit shaky on this whole thing but i i think that given the weight that kickstarter has in the board game community right now that i mean just in general from an economic standpoint as from an interested industry person, I think that it's really good to have a counterweight to that 
Um, and I think that if there's just two sources, I mean, I don't think it's super fragmented. Uh, you know, I, you know, you don't want five or six or seven or eight different places where people go to check for things, but if there's game found and there's Kickstarter, then I, I think that that's would be healthy competitive wise. I know there's a lot of tools that people that use Kickstarter a lot are been looking for in terms of moderation and stuff like that. Um, and I was also severely turned off by Kickstarters pointing out there that they're going to start getting involved in crypto and NFTs and stuff like that, which is just ripping people off left and right. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, but on the other hand, you know, it's always a little concerning when, you know, I don't know what the overall picture is going to look like. You know, we don't know the details, but when you have a, an industry player that has a major stake in something like this, is that going to make it more difficult for other people, you know, other companies that aren't Ravensburger to use a platform? Are they going to get privileged spots or, or things like that? You know, I mean, what are they, you know, is, is that going to skew things which might make it less attractive for, you know, an, an Asmodee or, or a Simon or somebody to move over to an alternate platform if their competitors are kind of running it? Mm, that's a good point. Something I hadn't really thought about. And I guess, uh, you know, their their Awakened Realms kind of has been in that position and people have been still happily jumping on. But yeah, depending on how many people, how many different publishers are going to be a part of this. Yeah. How exactly is that relationship going to change? And yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's definitely a good thing for Kickstarter to have, to have competition. Uh, there was at least one other board game, specifically board game themed uh, crowdfunding platform, I recall, called Game on Tabletop. We actually uh, talked to them a year or two ago, uh, but I don't know how I haven't heard much about them lately. They're still they're still they still exist. They're, they have projects going, but GameFound really has seemed to been very quickly successful uh, with what they've done. Uh, Will, what do you, what do you think about Ravensburger changing up? game founds structure do you think it'll be for the better uh i would hope so i mean as stated earlier i think competition tends to be a good thing for us and yes. it usually forces the companies to try to be a bit better but of course we'll always see the one thing i hope does come from it i'm not the biggest fan of how game found site actually works like it's hard for me to find what is currently crowdfunding versus previews and stuff like i think they could make that a little bit neater hmm. but overall i can definitely see what i i'm worried what might happen and, and i could be completely wrong like because when i think game found i think of usually more of the heavy big miniature games right and i can imagine seeing kickstarter becoming where you go if you have something smaller even though like the gloomhaven was there and stuff and frosthaven but it becomes they become specialized, which really doesn't it takes away the competition because it's just like you you go to the one that you have to go to. Yeah, I, I you know I think a lot of that has to do with how they started out. With mm -hmm. that's the kind of game Awakened Realms makes, right? Uh, and I I think it's they still have been doing bigger projects, but I, I imagine right now in the early stages they're trying to they want to pick high profile things that they're feel pretty sure will get funded. And as time goes on, they might loosen up a little bit and more different types of projects will come in there. But yeah, I think we all agree that overall it's a, it's a good thing that it exists and they, they do some things I, I think a lot better than Kickstarter. Certainly it seems from the uh, creator side of things, there's some friendlier ways to do things through their site. And it's more specialized, of course, and better support for board game people specifically. 
so that's that's cool. It's uh, you know, it's interesting that again that we have a, an actual game publisher really putting so much money into this and having so much faith in in it, and that's a lot of money too. Four million euros. That's a lot. That's a lot of money that I don't know that I would have yes. like good for Ravensburger that they're in a position to be able to make that investment too. Yeah, and I, I don't even know where that kind of money would go. What they're doing with it. I mean, I guess it's supporting. Yeah. it's got to be supporting new features and stuff like that. And I assume. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a stretch. It was not a stretch goal. A pledge level where you get to put your own face in for a card or something. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. yeah. Do they have their own? Yeah, it's that's kind of funny. You're investing in a, an investment platform, <laughs> anyway. So uh, I'm not. I don't know. You know how far along if there's like a specific date as to when these contracts are signed or whatnot, or if we'll even really notice. But uh, presumably, as the year goes on, we'll see if any of these changes take effect, or if any of uh, Ravensburger's own games end up on GameFound that we'll be seeing. Uh, next, we have yet another victim of the current crisis or like four or five different crises that we're facing in the world right now that have been resulting in price increases. Uh, we saw it with Asmodee pretty much across the board, as well as uh, a few other board game people. And of course, in other industries too, we've been dealing with uh, shipping issues and all kinds of constraints in that front. And now it has hit miniatures with Warhammer 40k. Games Workshop has announced that prices are going to be increasing on almost, I don't know about almost all, but a lot of their Warhammer products uh, by, uh, in some cases, 5%. uh, In other cases, such as with things like books and scenery, 10%. And some even going up to 20%. And some things are not going to go up in price. That includes paints, brushes, as well as most of their starter sets. So uh, they still want people to, you know, get their feet wet before they are addicted and then they have to pay the higher prices for the other things. Uh, But starting March 7th, a lot of the products in their Warhammer line are going to see these price increases. Uh, Jeff, are you uh, a miniatures Warhammer guy or do you, how do you feel about this in general, you know, for the industry? Does this, is this just, it seems like this is the new normal now that we just have to get used to these price increases. Well, I mean, I think just from a general economic standpoint, yeah, we're, we're shifting into an inflationary environment. So yeah, I, I have a, um, a product, uh, we do product development manufacturing, my, my business, and we've had to raise prices because of electronic components and all the other factors that you said. So strictly from that standpoint, yeah, I, I think a 5% increase is not crazy. Um, I, I did used to play uh, Warhammer and 40K um, for for years um, after my son like really wanted to do it when he was in like junior high school or high school and we started doing it and then he stopped and I kept going, which really was, was kind of sad. Not great, but, but you know, I love my town. I love my lizard men. So, um, uh, but I, I haven't done it in quite some time, but you know, I mean, the prices are crazy to begin with. So, you know, compared to their actual cost structure and things that go into that. And it seems like it's pretty elastic, uh, or, uh, you know, in terms of demand, you know, that pe- people will absorb price increases, I think in that community, they're, they're, right. they're not super price conscious. So I'm, I'm but you know, if they hadn't increased prices, I'm sure they would have been perfectly healthy. Yeah, I am not uh, in any way uh, involved in, in miniatures of this kind, so I, I honestly have almost no like idea in my mind of what even a Warhammer miniature costs to begin with. <laughs> I really don't know uh, what the price structure is like right now. 
uh, and Will, you're you're not really a miniatures guy either, but you are someone who uh, like feeds into systems at least one system where there are things to collect and buy on a regular basis. Uh, how how would you think this uh, type of price increase would impact you at all, or do you think, like Jeff said, nobody's going to bat an eye? I I don't think for the most part because I have been. I am on that. Uh, what's what's like the edge called with a black hole? Like before you get like the event horizon. <laughs> the event horizon. Yeah, I'm on the Warhammer event horizon right now. I did not know there were going to be physics questions on this podcast. That's very exciting for me. Uh, that's a real bonus. <laughs> All right, next up, history. No, um, it's like watching a whole lot of lore videos and about that. And I do know the videos I've been watching, which do talk about like how them also they are sort of acting the tabletop. Uh, a couple of times they've brought up like the new book came out and it sold out. So if, if you have to worry about items selling out so fast already, yes, maybe this will make people hold off on making that, that new army <laughs> just, just yet. But I, I don't imagine with these numbers, I mean, I'd have to see which ones are getting hit with. Like, I don't know enough about which, which ones are actually the resin miniatures and stuff. Because mm-hmm. like like if it's a few dollars, like for example, they said the Space Marine Interceptors was like a one pound. I, I think I, I would shrug that off. Right. I know for me personally, but like I know they can be expensive. And especially if you're talking about the I don't know if they have a name for it, but I know they talk about their Titans are like pretty much their giant mechs. And, you know, these things could be the size of like a toy. That you know, like a big toy. So I can only imagine if that increases by twenty percent. Twenty percent on ten dollars versus twenty percent on two hundred dollars is very different. Right. <laughs> there's yeah. your math question. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say, by the way, I know there's a lot of talk, not even just with um, GW in general, but like how some people are like, are are these price increases really needed, or are we or the, is, are we being tricked? You know, with the inflations and stuff. I will say I'm not as worried about here because they literally say places where it's not going to happen are pretty much everywhere very close to China. Mm-hmm. Like they don't need to worry about the increase because it's not nearly as difficult to get it to those mm-hmm. locations, Australia, New Zealand, Japan. I wonder right. how big those are in those countries. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do not know. Um, I mean that Jeff, you said something about, that you imagine if they didn't do this, they would still be, they would stay afloat. Do, do you see this as the, the margins just aren't as big as they want them to be? Or do you think? Oh yeah. Their, margins, really... their margins are huge. Oh yeah. No, yeah. You, can, you can look at their financial <laughs> statements. They're public. So you can see it. Their, their uh, margins are huge. Yeah. And I know plastics. I mean, we do a lot of plastic manufacturing. The, the raw material that goes into this is, you know, for, for the amount that they charge for it. It's like yeah. seven cents worth of plastic, 15 cents worth of plastic, <laughs> and they're charging $50 for it. I want to be clear. I wasn't saying that there that the increase would not be a loss. If there yeah. is a loss, yeah. it's only on the starter sets maybe, and which is why I think those aren't getting increased. Like you said, Jonathan, they probably are designed not for what they want the margins for, but they said what is yeah. a price to get someone in. That's their, that's their teaser price. Sure. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Five percent is. I mean, if they were really across the board raising things twenty, thirty percent, then people would feel that. But five percent, you know, I think that's that'll slide. Yeah, five percent, mm-hmm. not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Um, you know, I've 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 kind of, the only place I've really had run into this personally is a little bit with 
uh, Marvel Champions. You know, that's like the one ongoing thing I sort of buy into now and then. And that's was like all the packs increased by a few bucks. And I just kind of shook it off. I don't even remember what the price difference was at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I do think that sort of is the the case here. People are into it. Yeah, if if you're into a hobby like this, too, like not even a general hobby where you say board games, this is very specific, like the magic Warhammer. Uh, if you're, you've already put that investment in, you have that sunk cost fallacy. And maybe it, you just like think about your budgeting maybe a little bit more at like if you're really conscious of it, assuming it's like they like I said, a few pounds or something. But, you know, when you jump something up 50, like $50 or more or something, you know, everyone has their own way of comparing prices. Like yeah. you're going to be like, that's going to be, I think, the the bigger tell right now. Which is what I can't comment too much on. I don't know how much the book scenery and resin miniatures cost. The things that are getting the higher percentage. Uh, there is a list out there you can look it up. I found that has that actually lists all their products and what the exact price increase is going to be for each of them. Uh, there's a lot on there, so you can take a look at it. But yeah, it's it's out there for Warhammer fans. You will find it. And March seventh is when this goes into effect. So if you really want to buy a bunch of Warhammer minis, <laughs> maybe do it in the next two weeks or so before this uh, increase takes effect. Uh, next up, some new game announcements for 2022. Uh, first, some role-playing games that were announced by Osprey, who does all kinds of different uh, board games, RPGs. Uh, they did the game Cryptid that we really like, some more historical kind of war games as well. And they've announced three new RPG uh, titles that are going to be coming out at some point uh, this year that I think are kind of interesting. The first one is called Gran Mechanismo, and this is uh, takes place in the Renaissance era in, in Italy, and it's basically like a steampunk renaissance. The idea is what if uh, Da Vinci's sketches and things had been turned into actual inventions and you had people running around with robots and flying machines and all kinds of contraptions and it's also it also has kind of a historical background says you might run into machiavelli or christopher columbus for example uh then the next one is a neon noir role-playing game they call it called crescendo of violence which is uh <laughs> yeah that's right which is uh they describe as a world of synth jazz and cybernetics that focuses a lot on uh fight so scenes. is it a crescendo of violins or, or violence. Oh, <laughs> you're going to get some extra experience points for that. That's, that. That was great. I like that. And the last one is called Hard City. And this one seems like just a more, it's just noir. It's not neon noir, just more of a classic, uh, you know, gangsters and detectives and that sort of a story. Uh, they also announced uh, an expansion for their RPG Jackals, a new, a new book, a supplement coming out for that. Uh, Jeff, how any of these sound exciting to you? I'm curious actually what you're, you know, just generally how much role-playing you do and what kind of settings you're interested in. Yeah. I'm not a real RPG guy, so I'm not, it's not, I, I, I don't have too much to say on that. That's more my daughter's realm. She she loves the, uh, the, the mm. D and D and all the, the different settings for that. Um, mm. you know, I, but I, I do know for sure that Osprey, uh, you know, they've been hitting it out of the park recently, uh, you know, with the, the, 
the Undaunted series and a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, from when, when I was a kid, they, you know, they just used to print these books. That was their whole line was they printed books about the very specific German armor things in World War II and stuff like that. So they, <laughs> they've done a really good job of moving heavily into the, the game space. I've been impressed with their stuff. So I think it would certainly be worth checking out, at least if you're into this, uh, if those things sound interesting at all. Yeah. Will, any of these uh, pique your interest? I, I, I think if I had to choose one, it's definitely going to be the crescendo of violence. Or <laughs> however, uh, partially because it is like if you look at the noir one, it looks like, yeah, that's what I expect. Like hmm. this one to have the vibe, but the cover is colorful. So I feel like you can do a, a bit more interesting stuff with it. Yeah. Yeah. It looks more unique. I think for me, it's uh, it's the grand me- mechanismo one. Uh, for similar reasons, it just sounds like a setting I've never heard of before in a in a role playing game. And as much as you know, everybody loves D anD D, and we've sort of based our identity around it to some extent. Uh, yeah, you know that the fantasy setting is pretty typical. It gets a little old, and I I do love seeing RPGs from different companies that have these kinds of wild uh, ideas and settings in them and everything. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited uh, about these games. I think they sound interesting, and I I agree that I think Osprey is a very interesting publisher, and they have a lot of just a lot of different things, and it seems like they continue to to branch out into different areas, which is cool. And these are all going to be coming out uh, sometime over the next twelve months. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes. They do have they do have dates. Looks like August, September, and October. So you'll you'll get your fix of role playing. And the other announcements I wanted to talk about, I had to throw in here, uh, Funko Games, we keep talking about them. They do all these licensed games, and a lot of them are based on Disney parks or movies, and they've announced a whole set of new ones for the year that are Disney-related, uh, a couple of them based on the parks themselves. One is called Happiest Day, uh, and you just go around Magic Kingdom, and you're just trying to have a good time. One of them just is based- go to the Magic Kingdom and wait online over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the <laughs> realistic the best past expansion. <laughs> There's a uh, big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, now they have you got to go on the app and pay for yeah, the Lightning yeah. Lane and the anyway, uh, Big Thunder Mountain based on the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. They also have a uh, Return of the Headless Horseman game, so Ichabod and Mr. Crane, that kind of thing. And then really the reason I want to talk about this, what I'm excited about, is a game based on a Goofy movie, uh, which I think is one of the, I, th- I feel like it's sort of come back. It's sort of got a cult following, but it w- was one of the more underrated uh, 90s Disney releases. And uh, I love that movie. I have fond memories of that movie and you're you're max and goofy on a road trip that looks exciting to me uh yeah i think part of the reason it's actually gone up in popularity recently it's because when we all watched it we were max we're all <laughs> now goofy <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there's definitely a, something to be said for kids from the 90s now being adults with social media so but, and money <laughs> Yeah, right. Definitely, definitely money too. Uh, we also got the Rescue Rangers uh, trailer today for the new Rescue Rangers movie, but that's not board game related. But <laughs> clearly, there's nostalgia is always going to sell. Jeff, I, what? How do? You, are you? Uh, have you experienced any of these other Funko? games products because we well, yeah done the this stuff but I, I was particularly excited to see these announcements um mm. so i have a um uh, a, a charitable organization that 
um, sponsors scholarships uh, for up and coming designers from underrepresented communities to go to things like tabletop network and uh, unpubs and things like that. And um, uh, so one of our first, our first batch of, we had 10 scholars that went down to tabletop network a couple of years ago, right bef- before the pand- pre pandemic. And uh, one of them, there was uh, for Tessa Elise, who's um, now working for Funko in the goofy, goofy game actually is, uh, she was instrumental in that design. So it's very, been very gratifying to see um, the alumni from that program, uh, which is still going on as soon as conver- conferences and things start get going again, we're, we'll ramp it back up more, but to, to see them out there and, and contributing to the community. So and making successful careers. So it's been exciting. Uh, um, completely coincidental. I uh, was booked before uh, I knew about this <laughs> announcement, but she is actually going to be our guest on next week's show. So okay. uh, now I've definitely got to, yeah, I'm going to have to ask some questions about that because that's uh, yeah, very, very, very fun. Very exciting, but not a uh, yes, what, new no, voices in gaming is the organization. Mm-hmm. I, I think I forgot to mention that. That's good to note. Good to note. Uh, and uh, D- Disney nostalgia for you, Jeff, are you, uh, does the parks, you know, I was never, you know, the Disney stuff kind of passed me by a little bit, but, um, you know, we certainly went there with our kids and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I was a seventies kid, not a nineties kid. So I, I have a whole different, a whole different, I have a relationship with the old, uh, wonderful world of Disney show and stuff like that. Got so. it. Yeah. Hey, Hey, magic kingdom was around back then too, you know? Yes, it was. It's, it's, these are classic. These are classic <laughs> attractions. Uh, well, I think you're also not a huge Disney person, but I think you have enjoyed the Funko games. So maybe I have, and uh, I will say I'm curious because I mean I did remember fondly the Goofy movie, and even now looking back, I think the idea of that kind of relationship of the son and father, you know, the trip actually is something that you could make a really interesting board game. I mean, I don't, I don't know how much they could go down there, mostly because this has to be kept to a much more open audience. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get too but deep like, into the father son relationship, but <laughs> idea in my head, I'm like, you know, this could, that could still like, I'm not saying that they, they should have, I think they probably made the smart move, but like, it actually sounds like pretty fun. Like honestly, those, the, that, and maybe the return of the headless horseman are a bit more interesting though. I do love this idea that eventually we're going to be able to have an entire Borgian collection. That is like, you don't have the good Disney anymore. You can just have a board game show. <laughs> yeah, they've got Big Thunder Mountain, Jungle Cruise, and Haunted Mansion, I think, are the three that they have so far. Plus the ones now that are just going to be an entire park, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty fun. And and I'm sure they'll, you know, the, the real hard part will be kids going to these parks and having to figure out, can we buy this board game at the gift shop? And then we have to try to fit it in our suitcase on the way back or whatnot. But uh, I'll, I'll let them figure that out. So look for these uh, various times being released throughout the remainder of 2022 all of them are like 25 bucks or under so they're definitely mass market titles that uh, i didn't i don't see anything in terms of uh retail exclusivity but i feel like a lot of these have been target games so that's probably a good bet as to sort of where they'll show up when they come out And that is it for the news this week, but we are going to go talk about some crowdfunding projects in Kickstarter Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks nice. It's nice. It's nice. How about this one? Kickstarter Pickstarter. Okay, so uh, some interesting projects on Kickstarter that have launched this week and as of late. Jeff, is there anything, uh, a project that you've backed in the recent past or that you're interested in right now or just have been following 
on Kickstarter or another crowdfunding platform that, that you want to specifically highlight? And it's okay if the answer is no. And we'll uh, <laughs> yeah, I tend not to back too many games. Um, I, I, I just wait for them to come out and see if they're good or not. And then, then back them. That's been my, and then buy them if they're good. I, That's I been my strategy. I had that kind of willpower just in general. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I, one that I'm keeping my eye on for sure is, um, uh, block by block. Um, mm. and mainly, uh, based on, uh, the, the, the discussion of it by, uh, Dan Thoreau, uh, who's, uh, in the space Biff blog. He's, I think one of the, the best writers, people writing about board games today. And he had a really, really interesting take on it and, 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 and comparing it with, um, so that that's, this is a game about protesting and, and methods of protesting, uh, and it's, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of that going on now. So it's, it's timely from that perspective. Um, but just that it just, it, it, it lets you draw a lot of kind of real world lessons and things like that from it. So it seems I, I'm very intrigued by that one and we'll probably, um, check it out at some point. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this one up block, block by block uprising, uh, which apparently is, it's the third edition of, of the game. And yeah, there's a quote, uh, from the Space Biff blog on here specifically. Uh, it says, uh, it, it speaks a message while remaining playful. Most importantly, it instills a yearning for something better, which is not the kind of quote you typically see on a board game <laughs> crowdfunding site. Usually it's like, I liked the hand management, you know? Uh, and yeah, I love that this game is, it's about, it's very political. It's about like, fighting and rebelling and like taking on the police force of a city i think it's fascinating and i really think it's really cool to see a, a game tackle that kind of subject matter this is definitely one that i'm also looking at yeah i i just i know i just read the thing where it said third edition. i'm like third wow i i don't even like, i mean you have a pretty good memory when we released the or like here so i was like oh yeah i remember when this first hit or something but no i'm yeah, I feel well, like I think totally. the first the first one I think was more like print and play just out mm. and then eventually they did a release, a limited release. But now it's 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 one of these things that the reputation has just been growing for it over the years as as more people have gotten a chance to try it. But it certainly has been under the radar. Yeah. Yeah. And they do say that this is they consider this the definitive edition. They do not or intend on releasing a fourth one. So this should be uh sure. now, what they said about Twilight Imperium. <laughs> <laughs> uh my yeah. question is: Does that mean like they will, assuming this is funded, they'll this they'll keep making this, or does that mean like this is the final printing? Like, no, I think they're just saying they weren't aren't going to revise it again. I think I don't okay. think it means the printings. Yeah, that's how I read it at least. Uh, yeah, so this one is on uh, GameFound, and uh, right now it's you can get it for forty four bucks, and it looks looks very interesting. Uh, will, what about you? You got to pick. Yeah, so the one I caught, we're going back to Kickstarter, and that is Earth. Earth is a tableau building game in which you are pretty much trying to craft the perfect environment for different creatures as well as other different scoring cards. I really like it because it seems to focus less on, like there are animals, but the like you put some animals out that are just be the first one to have this kind of plants or something. So it's really focusing more on the actual terrain you're building, mm. which I, I don't think it's like the, the not is fauna for plants or fauna for both plants. And animals. Fauna, Just flora, most of the plants. flora. Yeah. Fauna's animals. The, yeah. Flora's that's animals. I was like, I think the other thing is this use. I mean, I've seen this before, but it's a mechanic I love in which the way it works is whichever action you take, 
everyone else takes a weaker version. Because mm-hmm. yeah. one, that means you don't just sit at the table waiting till your turn. Yes, that's the follow action. Yes, the following. I'm, this is a good chance for me to plug my book on mechanisms. Oh, man. <laughs> the follow action in Building Blocks of Tabletop Game Design available on Amazon and all other booksellers. Second edition coming out in March. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, 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 no. By all means, yes. Because <laughs> this is, I mean, it's a kind of mechanic I enjoy a lot because of one that everyone is too. When you, you're not just picking anymore for yourself. There's a lot more clever, like, I could pick this, but I know you're going to pick it too. So maybe I'll make you pick, give it to me. Or I don't want to give that secondary action to you. So I feel it's a very good way to keep that. Like it's not exactly the like where you you know you know people talk about player interaction where you're aggressively attacking each other, but you're not all playing now a solo game, yeah, and just seeing who did the bo- the best on points. Yeah, is the art on this all photographs or is that just very realistically rendered CG? Yeah, I mean, I assume they are photographs. Now you're making me question. Oh, no, like, the, oh, I no. see the animals now. Those are definitely <laughs> photographs. So, uh, yeah, so that's interesting too. The look of it is very. Uh, you know, scientific, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's real stuff that you're looking at. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And and I also, I agree. I do. I also love the follow action and I look forward to reading more about it and building blocks of tabletop (laughs) game design. (laughs) Second edition. Uh, Yeah. So that game is called earth and that one goes for, looks like for about $43 us. So I have to double check again. Uh, I just read it. So yeah, (laughs) I sounded like I was asking a question, but (laughs) like, I didn't just make that number up. I did read it. Uh, All right. So my pick this week has got to be a game called retrograde, which comes from uh, Resonim and and designer Mary Flanagan. They've done tons of awesome games like visitor in Blackwood Grove and Monarch. And uh, they recently did phantom Inc, which I think is coming out very soon. And Retrograde is a roll and write game that's inspired by games like Space Invaders very much. So you have your sheet is actually a an arcade machine with different they call them droids, but they look like little Space Invaders aliens of different colors and everything. And the way it works is everybody's rolling dice and you need to have pairs of dice plus a specific card that you have to match them with in order to uh, cross off droids from your mat your sheet and you'll get points for crossing more of them off and you'll get different abilities and things like that. Uh, But what makes it a little twistier is that there are no turns in this game. Everybody rolls their dice at the same time and you're allowed to re-roll as many times as you want any amount to get the result that you want. But when you're finished re-rolling, you grab one of the scoring cards in the center of the table. And if you're the last person to do it, uh, you have to stop and you have to be happy with what you've got. So if everybody just keeps re-rolling forever, then you can kind of play it safe and take your time. But if one person decides they're just going to, they know what they want and they want a certain card, they'll go for it and they'll put some pressure on you. So interesting kind of uh, uh, angle for it. And, you know, we always enjoy roll and write games and I enjoy uh, real-time games as well. I really need that book now. Cause once again, I'm like, this is another mechanic <laughs> I thought where there's just so much like, as soon as, like one person pulls the trigger, mm-hmm. everyone starts cascading and pull, like you could be the one who goes really quickly and everyone has to do that. Or you all just keep growing and growing and until Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think galaxy trucker was one of the first ones that did something like that with a real time aspect mm-hmm. where as soon as somebody stops, then right. everyone's only got a fixed amount of time to wrap up. 
Yeah, that kind of like when the pace is sort of regulated by the players. It's yeah. a very interesting idea. Uh, so retro grade uh, is just $27 if you... Yeah, the artwork is... The art style is very cool on this. I like it. It's I'm curious about... It seems kind of reminiscent of Under Falling Skies uh, from, from mm. sort of a subject matter, but it looks like it's a very different... I mean, that looks way more thinky than this. This looks more like just go by the seat of your pants kind of thing yeah yeah i think i think from my experience with uh, under falling skies that seems i would say that is correct yeah there's a lot more uh but similar you know similar definitely in the same kind of genre of rolling dice and matching them <laughs> to symbols and things like that uh so those are our picks uh there are a couple other sort of big ones that i i thought i'd maybe quickly mention one of them on kickstarter here is kingdoms forlorn dragons devils and kings <laughs> i believe that's the full title and it's already raised over half a million dollars and this is a huge miniatures game with a lot of the stuff i think you would expect from miniatures games it's it's kind of a dungeon crawl fantasy thing with a ton of minis where you're going through campaigns and storylines and all this stuff uh but it sounds like this one has some very unique ambitious concepts in it one of them i saw is that like all your character stories are individual so theoretically they said you could like take your character into someone else's game and still continue your character's story even though it's not your campaign anymore or even your copy of the game perhaps uh and stuff like that that's uh sounds uh you know it's at least they're trying something different because there are so many of these big miniatures games uh, Jeff, I don't know if you if you are like me, who I see some these on Kickstarter these days and sort of I, my eyes glaze over because I just can't keep up with yeah, it anymore. I mean, I I, I, I kind of I'm just looking at this page first time I've seen this. First of all, I would immediately disqualify this from them coining the phrase soul operative on their page. It's a common. <laughs> you don't like soul operative? I don't like soul operative. But um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, this is like Kingdom Death Monster or even Gloomhaven to a certain extent. I mean, I, yeah. these are what I would call like lifestyle games, right? You got to <laughs> you gotta jump in, you got to commit to it to really get the value out of it. And you can't, yeah, I mean, look, if people want to, you know, spend $150, $200, whatever on, on a game like this and, and really invest it and spend the time, then yeah, you'll get the value out of it and do it. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, for me personally, yeah, I, I'm... I'm a grazer for games. You know, I get in, I play something once, I suck all the life essence out of it, and then I move on to the next thing. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, so for me, this this is not my cup of tea. But yeah, I, you know, if somebody's, not, if they want to commit and, and play this kind of thing, they can certainly be very rewarding. I've never heard the term grazer before, but I'm going to, that sounds very much like how I would describe myself as well. <laughs> That's how I describe myself with actual food and it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> you go around the buffet table and you just <laughs> take oh, just always just every time just some chips. Like I need to be more conscious, but <laughs> I think the idea you mentioned is an interesting one. The, you know, take your character from campaign to campaign. The problem is I feel at least in board games, it really, for it to work, it has to be the kind of thing where, like, I'm going to Gen Con, so I'm going to bring my character with me there, mm. where I'll meet up with some other people. Because usually, especially, you know, for a game like this, if you were to back it, 
at least in my experience, it's not like Jonathan backs it and I back it. Right. right. It's because right. Jonathan backed it, so we'll play his copy. Well, to their credit, under their operative trademark section, <laughs> it does say, take your night across the country to a gaming convention and play there. Your progress is persistent. It will influence everybody you play with. Play anywhere, however you like. Right. And, and that can work, but that requires yeah, it's hard. for... It's one of those always challenging things. I feel like that it's like sometimes you see a company try to do that, but yeah. it doesn't work unless it naturally happens. Right. I think Does there was a sense? WizKids one that was Maiden Quest, maybe or something like that, where where you took your deck and you could, if you played it with cooperatively with somebody else, it also had a deck that you could help each other and and help advance your decks and kind of work together in a way. But I'm not sure how much that really happened in real life. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's another kind of game that also does this called role-playing games. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like these yeah. these types of big campaign games, it's it's like they just they'd want so badly to just be an RPG. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think true. I think the idea is it's for the people who want to do the RPGs and stuff, but you don't want to DM and you don't want to press. Well, not even the DM, I think just the visually. Right. Yeah. Like you want to just have Yeah, the, I get it. You know. Yeah, the, yeah. There, there's certainly reasons. There's certainly reasons. So anyway, anyway, a lot of people are into this though. A uh, game that you know I had never heard of, but I, either it had they had a really good pre-marketing campaign I just missed, or people are just ready to jump on to a, a a game like this. And these kinds of minis always sell. Oh well, it's from the I should say it's from the team behind uh, Aeon Trespass Odyssey, which was pretty big. So uh, I think that's their mm-hmm. that's their strong track record. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, sort of a sub story involving that one. I I actually backed Aeon's Trespass Odyssey because they had the um they had like the beginner kit that you could back, and if you did that, it was like for much cheaper. And if you liked it, you could get the other kit later. So I was like, oh, this is much better. I can try it out and don't have to buy every mini. They messaged me like, yeah, it turns out only like ten people back that, <laughs> so they're not <laughs> they're not doing it. I'm like, oh, and I I feel bad because they they I, I get it. That makes sense that you shouldn't have to make that for only ten people. But I feel bad because I thought that that was such a great way for these bigger games to get more people on. But you know, mm. apparently it wasn't that good. <laughs> so Eon's Trespass Odyssey I, is is that just like three random words that they found that they just thought sounded cool? They plucked <laughs> them out of a bag or something because I can't try to imagine the meaning behind that. I just I it's I don't know. Well, the Odyssey actually, if I'm remembering it, does make sense. It, the whole idea is just the whole Greek pantheon gets like killed by I, I can't remember what like the equivalent of elder gods. Yeah, so you have to find something. So at least that one, I guess. Aeon, <laughs> Alternate okay. worlds or something. Is it better or worse than Kingdoms Forlorn colon dragons, devils, and kings? <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know. This is good as long as your name dragon. is Lauren. This is just for <laughs> you. And man, completely unrelated. One of their figures, the Panzer Dragon, just makes me feel sad because I miss Panzer Dragoon. Hey, they, it's, they still ported that terrible port version that I bought on Switch. <laughs> uh, also, also, just want to note, no, uh, no Oxford comma. They, they didn't do, they neglected the Oxford comma in the title here. Dragons, comma, devils, and kings. I don't know. Mm. It's interesting. Uh, okay, so you can find links <laughs> to all those Kickstarter projects in our show notes. But let's move on to games we have been playing IRL in the Table Talk segment. Table talk. All right, everybody still with us? Good, because we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing. Jeff, what what you've been playing lately? Tell me. I'd love to hear about the games you've been playing with. I don't know. Do you have a with your family with a game group? What what's your go to? Um, 
Well, my family is is a little bit scattered to the four winds. Uh, so so mo- mostly it's been uh, uh, you know I uh, uh, some online and stuff like that. I've been doing a lot of play testing lately. I've got a bunch of new game design projects in the works, so that those have been taking up a lot of time. Um, maybe we can, I guess talk talk about some of those later. I'd be happy to fill in yeah, fill yeah. you guys in. Um, but uh, in terms of actual published games that people can go out and buy now, um, I, I recently got to play uh, Iki. Um, which just came out in a second edition. Um, and if I was smart, I probably would have looked up like the publisher and, and the uh, designer. Uh, it's a uh, Japanese game. I do know that, but it's really, it's, it's about a Japanese market and um, you're, you're basically moving around the market and, and buying stalls and, and trying to uh, prevent them from burning down, which is bad. And it's just, it's, it's interesting. Cause it's, I'm seeing more and more of these games, which is uh, this, which makes me really happy of games that are, you know, that you can't point to anything and say, Oh my God, this is incredibly groundbreaking for, you know, in innovative. Right. But the, 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 the different elements are just so skillfully woven together. You know, they pluck this from over here and this from over here, and it's just such a satisfying play experience. And, and I found that with Iki and I, I didn't know too much about it when I picked it up and it just sort of on the whim, I'm like, I like the cover and it's Japanese. So let's go for it. And <laughs> it's really been, um, I've been very happy with it. So it's actually it's Kuta Yamada is the designer. I'm looking up. I I think I have the f- earlier version of this. Okay. Yeah, because I was like the title sounds so familiar. Yeah. I think and I'm lo- now curious yeah. now what the differences are. Uh, I think they just updated some of the art. I don't think there's any real rules changes. I think it's mainly art, and um, you know there was, there's maybe some uh, very minor tweaks. It's basically the same. But there's that um, yeah, Witchstone. I think the new Knizia game kind of fell into that category for me as well. Um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just nice. I mean, I feel like it's a maturing of the industry that people don't feel like they have to constantly, you know, it be different. You know, like if I'm going to see a rom-com, you know, I, I it can, I, I know the notes it's going to hit. I know, I know the steps, but there can be some that are still fun to watch and still good, you know, because they just do it skillfully or an action movie or whatever. And same thing with games now um, that are, that are doing that. So, so that was icky. If you get a chance to try it or, or dust off the old version, if you've got it there, um, right. then, then mm-hmm. I would go for it. Yeah, I am um, definitely guilty of being someone who is easily easily buys in and lured in by shiny new features and uh, mechanics that I've never seen before. The word innovative is is very exciting to me. I'm like, oh, a thing that's never been done. I I, I love even if it's not that good. I'm like, I'm I'm excited. It's I've never done it before. Uh, but there is definitely something to be said for just we just did the, the stuff you're familiar with well. Yeah, and when I'm designing, I like I I I, did, I look for that designing innovative, right? Because I you know I, I do it as for fun. I do it as a hobby, and so just for me to you know I I would not get as much enjoyment out of that. Um, not to denigrate people that do it, because I think it takes a real, it's a, it's a real skillful thing to do. But for me, I mean, I, I need to find something that's like totally different to keep myself personally interested in the project. Uh, right. So, um, you know, like trying to turn a pinball machine into a roll and write game, which is, mm-hmm. you know, and no one ever really tried to do that. And I was like, oh, this, this would be cool if I can make it work. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so for me, that's, uh, that's kind of fun, but, uh, so I, I love that too. And for somebody who's got literally 2000 games in their basement, I'm always looking for something that's a little <laughs> bit different that, that, you know, that isn't duplicated by something that's down there. Yeah, um, I am definitely, I'm the one who falls into the category who can eat the same thing over and over again. Uh, but I do think there is something because when you compare to the games outside, obviously, you know, of a certain theme, like, oh, I've never played it with this theme before. So it matches what I want. But there's some there are games sometimes where like, yeah, we've seen 
deck building or rolling right before, but not like this or combined with this. Or like it just changes those few mistakes we don't like in the regular version. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, like you said, that's the maturing. And an obvious example, I think, go up to deck builders is always when I play deck builder, thinning the deck, drawing cards. So when I see a card game being like, look, that's a core mechanic now. We didn't have to make it so whoever buys that card first has an advantage. And it's recognizing where the faults in those systems are and how to make it so you 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 don't have you get skipping the middleman almost of the things. Yeah, right. I mean, e- Eon's End is uh, speaking of deck building is I think is a good example of you just don't shuffle the deck anymore. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> it's a pretty traditional deck building game, but that one tweak really yeah. completely changes it. Right, but that's pretty innovative. I mean, I that, that's like <laughs> the kind of thing where I would, in fact, we did include it in the second edition of <laughs> Building Blocks of Tabletop Game Design. Uh, so yeah, um, and, uh, and and speaking of Vans and the other game that I played not too long ago, my daughter was uh, in town for the holidays, and uh, so she stayed actually for a chunk a chunk of time in January and was just working from home. But um, I finally had a chance to try uh, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Um, okay. Are you a fan of the original? I assume I am. I'm there okay are, it's with a controversial the original game. Yeah, some people I'd don't be like happy it. to play it, but honestly, I'm not. Um, you know, I, I don't totally understand the love that people have for it. For me, it's like okay, yeah, I you know I've seen this, I've seen this, and you know, but whatever. Hey, people love it, they love it, so that's fine. Um, so yeah, so I was happy to play Ares Expedition. Um, it, it was uh, uh, co-designed by my daughter, who is now working for uh, right. Indie Boards and Cards. Um, and although I was involved a little bit in the playtesting of it, this was the first time I got to play it on the production copy. Um, and she completely destroyed me, which I expected, but <laughs> seems uh, like an unfair matchup. Yeah. Know? Right. She's played it a thousand times and I've played it three times, but, um, so it is a game of skill. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, again, it's one of these games where it's, you know, it takes a little, you know, takes, takes obviously a large, uh, a lump from, um, race for the galaxy but you know adds enough little twists and things there to you know i think that that they did a really nice nice job on it so i was happy to get to try that one so so for you did this one it sounds like you prefer this to the original you think this is a uh yes i'm curious yeah for me i would rather play this i felt it gave a lot of the same flavor for it in Mm -hmm. a lot less of the time right yeah i think that's that's one of the biggest things is uh the the time commitment the original one uh has on it we, we've talked about this game on the show before and it is uh i am one of the people who i actually i love the original terraforming mars i didn't like aries expedition as much will loves terraforming mars and loved aries expedition so it's very interesting all the different yeah. you know look people I, I yeah it is and there's you know that's fine i one thing i've learned of designing games is there is no game you're going to design that's going to appeal to everybody period yeah. and if you try you're it's just going to make your game worse so just lean into the people that really like this or you know we're just going to amplify that and that's that's where it's going to be yeah yeah so that's terraforming mars aries expedition uh so i now i don't know how you know how much stuff you're you feel you can talk about in terms of designs you're currently playtesting but i'm curious just kind of about your Maybe what you've been playtesting and what, sure. kind of what that process is like for you? Yeah. Um, no, I can talk about some of them. So one is um, we've got a game that's currently on the GMTP 500 list called Triumvir, um, which I'm designing with Mark Herman, um, who is uh, – who, and, and that's the uh, like a, 
a sequel game in a way to our Versailles 1919. It's very different in subject matter. This is about the fall of the Roman Republic, but it uses a lot of the similar systems. Um, so that's been interesting to kind of kind of tweak that. And I, people love Versailles uh, 1919, but I, I think this one is a little bit better. I think it's definitely got some more stuff going on. So we're 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 getting close to. We started uh, blind play testing on that, so I'm excited about that. Um, I um, have been, you know, there. there nothing's definitive yet, but I will say that there's most likely going to be some additional super skill pinball uh, sets that are coming out. Um, so in I mean, preparation you got to get for, more tables. Yes. So, uh, so the original uh, came out a, a year ago and uh, a year and a half ago. And, and then late last year, uh, the ramp it up expansion came out with four new tables and the star Trek expansion has been announced. Uh, that's right. going to be releasing in May. I think it should be hitting store shelves. So it was the, those were super fun tables to design. Yeah, um, was that a, I, I have to assume, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty safe to say you're a Star Trek fan, uh, based on space cadets, if nothing else, but yes. I, that must've been like, was that cool to design a game with that license in mind? It was very cool. Um, especially I got to do lower decks as one of the tables in there. And I've been a huge, very, oh. very big fan of the lower decks animated series that they've done. And it's also a totally different, um, table. Have you, have you guys played super skill pinball at all? Or, okay. We did actually. Bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, last year we started with the, we got the chance to play the, the second one first. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, but yeah it's, it's yeah, we, we had a lot of fun with it. Very, it's, like you said, it's a very, it's one of those novel concepts that is really cool to play. Yeah. So the lower decks table is actually has, um, I, I, I designed a table and Wiz could send it back and said it wasn't zany enough. And I did it again and they came back again with it. And so like the fourth time I sent it to him, finally, they were like, this is too zany. <laughs> Tone down the zany. And I'm like, I'm not toning down the zany. This is it. And so that's, that's the table that's in there. Um, I'm, now, I'm now imagining that every time you're like, they said, not zany enough. You're like, you know what? Fine. You're going to have to roll D20 and then you're going to have to run across the room and then run back and then yeah. become flux now. Well, where just- I finally ended up was, a, you know, and this was like to, to get to the maximum zany, I just had to jettison all the other ideas and just go something totally crazy, which is that the, the theme is that the gravity generators on the starships are failing. Honestly, I assume there's gravity generators in Star Trek. I don't know. I never really researched it but anyway in this in this game they're failed and so um or they're they're on the fritz and it's totally not your fault um but um every 10 points that you score in the game the table flips upside down it rotates 180 degrees and where if your ball was at the bottom now it's at the top if it was at the top now it's at the bottom and there's flippers on both sides um and but if you lose the ball once the game ends so you have to keep flipping the table to prevent it from hitting your flippers at key points. So that's, that's that one. So that, that was a, that's great. That was a lot of fun to design. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The only little, little wrinkle, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this publicly, but you know, no one listens to this podcast. Right? <laughs> no, nobody does. So you're first. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did, we had a, a triple table. Um, mm. And um when we submitted it, we had to, you know, of course, send everything over to Paramount. I had named that the table with tribbles. 
which <laughs> I just thought was very exciting. And I like a good pun. And it came back, Paramount bounced it back and was like, you can't change the name of the episodes. Mm. You can't do a, a play on the episode name. It must, if it's off an episode, it has to just be the episode name. Huh. So we had to change mm. the artwork and everything, go back to the trouble with tribbles. So Too iconic, I guess. They, I, was, I was very sad. About they have that. t-shirts with that on it. So they have to <laughs> yeah, right. get it promoted. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's... Um, yeah. So I've been working on some new tables for that. Um, we've also been doing some final play testing and we're in, you know, final, final artwork and rules finally um, for um, my semi secret stealth project, which I kind of, we, we did mention uh, on and off, but um My son and I have come out with a new version of vibrating electric football. All right. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that game. Bringing it back to the Super Bowl. Is that what I think it is? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I think I know what you're talking about, but now sometimes every now and then it's like, no. That's that's where you put the little guys on the table and then the board, the metal board, and then the board breaks and they run all over the place. Um, (laughs) I never... I remember when I first got into like board and stuff, someone came to me like, why don't you have that? You should be playing that. I'm like, I don't know where to get that now. <laughs> yes. Well, it turns out, so we designed this, I, you know, I, I don't remember. I think my, we were just like kicking around crazy random ideas. And my son was like, we should just like redo vibrating football. Cause I bought it for them when they were kids, we bought it and it just never works right as an actual game. <laughs> um, but we were like, we should, yeah. And I was like, okay, there's a challenge. Let's see if we can turn this into a real strategic game with the board vibrating and the pieces running all over the place. And I, I think we did. And, and when we brought it to cons and had people try it and stuff like that, it's, they've loved it. It's called Nova League. And um, each it's, it's a five on five. It's, it's, it's not football. It's, it's a different sport, but it's played on, it is a sporting thing. It's played on the same kind of table, but both teams have a ball, their own ball. Uh, every single character has different special characters, uh, special powers, and, um, you know, there's other minis that you can put on the table. Like one guy can summon an ice wall that blocks people. Another person can put a little missile counter on it at the end of the vibrating thing. If it's rammed into somebody, then they blow up and you can turn somebody into a frog. I don't know. There's all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff that happens. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, it takes like 20, 30 minutes to play. So we plan on launching in a Kickstarter later this year. We were a little delayed because, uh, you just really need to see it and to, to play it in person. And so we've been waiting for cons to kind of open up so we can build a mm-hmm. little bit more buzz around it because um, you cannot do it on Tabletop Simulator because uh, right. the board needs to vibrate. And that's obviously the physicality of it is super important. So so we're hoping to start getting that moving. So we've been doing some final testing on some expansion characters for that and things like that. So, so that's been the other big thing we've been working on is Nova League. Uh, and we're actually going to be, we partnered with the company that still makes the original vibrating football, Tudor. They've made the same game They've made one game since 1947. Oh, um, man, wow. And uh, we we met with them and we're like, you know, you might want to have a second game. And <laughs> we're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Let's do it. Uh, awesome. I love this. Uh, this. The other thing, I mean, it's mostly restoration, I think. But like this idea of all these games we played when we were younger that were designed to be like, oh, it's just this. And now we're like, well, what if we did make it a good game? What if we made the Goofy movie into a game? <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all, all these things from our youths that we yeah. can bring back. But yeah, yeah. no, it's interesting and to, you know, kind of do those kind of thought experiments of, you know, how, yeah, it, it's totally random and totally crazy, but how, what would we do to this? You know, what would we do to Dark Tower to bring mm-hmm. it up to the current state of the art? Yeah, that's great. That sounds awesome. And I love that. I love that it's board game design runs in your family. I think that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yes. Must be 
it's it must be a source of pride. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Uh, although when we have these long car rides with with the kids, and and we would start going over our designs, and my wife was never too happy about it. She was just like, "Can we just talk about something else?" Please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I hope all the kids though are into it. Now I just imagine the one kid who's like. Yeah, I became a doctor. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Why couldn't you just play Pandemic? You had to. Yeah. Now my son is not a professionally like employed doing game design, but he's he's still doing a lot of designs on the side. So that's cool. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing any idea about uh, final releases of this stuff, or it's always just up in the air until it's done. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, Triumvir uh, should be out uh, probably with the way the P500 stuff goes, I would say early next mm. year. Um, uh, but you can go to GMT games. You can, you can kind of pre-order it now uh, is the way they do their It's like there, it's not really a right. Kickstarter because they don't actually charge your credit card until everything is shipping. Unlike Kickstarter, which charges you right away. Um, mm-hmm. So you can go to gmtgames.com and look for Triumvir and find that there. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the super skill pinballs of Star Trek is coming out in May and, and it, there, there may, we may be able to squeeze out another pack before the end of the year, but we'll see. Um, and Nova League, like I said, is probably going to do Kickstarter, um, you know, towards the, over the summer maybe. Um, and then it would, we, we'd be shipping that probably next year because the board's already made. So it's just a different skin on the existing board. So we just got to make the minis and the cards and that's pretty easy. Got it. All right. Awesome. All of that sounds like fun. Uh, so Will and I did not have a real, an official game night where we got to play games together this weekend, but some games were played by some people at some time. So Will, what did you play <laughs> that you want to talk about? Cause well, I, uh, I haven't played any of these. I, yeah, I played a bunch of these with, I uh, had like my brother and friend over in advance for game night to know these so you had a pre game night game night. Yes. That's, that's yes. Commitment. I, commitment to hosting. <laughs> I respect. Well, I'm usually very bad about that because I'm more of like I need to play through to learn it when Jonathan can actually read the rule book. There's a reason why he doesn't have to plays. Anyways, the first one, Alien Fate of Nostromo. This is the, the one of the most recent iterations of the Alien movie hitting tabletop. It is a cooperative game when you play as the crew of the Nostromo. And you will be given, it's a very pandemic. You have different tasks you need to complete before a final mission is revealed, all while trying to avoid the alien. There is a, I, I can't remember the term now. It's not like, it's like a fear. It's like you, a shared health pool that if it hits zero, it's pretty much like your fear. Uh, that's when you lose. Now, we actually did two games of this because we failed the first one. And it's just one of those games that's like, we understand the general idea afterwards. Like, okay. But then the second one, we threw in the hard mode where they throw in uh, the uh, a traitor without saying too much. Mm. And that one we did win because it is definitely the like I had a lot of fun and it's sort of it's simple to it's on the simpler end to grasp compared to maybe some of the other alien games. But like if you've played your cooperative pandemic style game, it's that kind of audience where it's on the I, I want to say the earlier end of like. Of playing games, more of a gateway game. Kind yeah, of. it's closer to that, which is good for the alien ones, especially compared to some of the other ones. It doesn't feel nearly as punishing as some of the other ones can be, which fits more in the universe. So you can experience the world without feeling like you just you're you're on death's door every other second. I feel like this might this is the only alien game I can think of that's actually based on alien. I feel like all of them are aliens. <laughs> fighting each other that or it's the entire series 
like the sure. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but but it's but that yeah, I, I was interested in this one. This is the Ravensburger too, right? So we're, mm-hmm. it's coming back around. Yeah, but. and I believe this is Scott Rogers designed this one, who was the uh, just left his hosting uh, time with Ludology uh, mm. podcast. So. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, I've heard, I haven't played this one, but I've certainly heard good things about it. So. Yeah, overall, I had a good time, especially as a fan of the Alien series, and it's one that I could feel more comfortable bringing to the table, maybe to people who've seen the movie. At least I would like them to see the movie because I think it's a good movie, and it, ha- it sort of spoils it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a time limit on spoiling. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're if, it's, if you're going into this board game, you probably you should probably, be prepared. Yeah. Yes, I've never I mean, seen I mean, Alien, but let me try this board game to get it. Well, actually, I played it with some the one of the people I played it with hadn't seen it, and I was like, oh, oh no, God. just as I know who it is because we played the Alien RPG with him and he hadn't seen Alien, so he still hasn't seen Alien since then. I have already planned out with him and another friend who hasn't seen the Alien movies. Like he's going on a trip or something. Like as soon as he comes back, we're like, we're having an alien night we're gonna go through what's wrong with these people at least the first two i don't know i mean at least three okay maybe three i don't know if they need to see four and beyond i like four but at least (laughs) we don't need to get into it yeah we we don't need to hash that out right now so that's alien face of the nostromo uh the next one is from big potato games it's called p for pizza if you don't know big potato games is a lot of party games this one is no exception The idea is you have triangle pizza-shaped cards, and you're trying to collect, I think it was one, two, three, four, five, six, and eight, nine, first to make a big slice of pizza. (laughs) The way it works is you flip the triangle card, the back of the triangle cards, each side has a letter, which you will align them with the triangle deck. So like each side corresponds to a letter, you'll flip over the top one, and each one will have a category that are supposedly made from easier to more difficult. So like one may say video game, one may say actor, and the last one may say food that starts with. And it's pretty much first in the shot one that fits a category. So it's kind of like categories. Yeah, a little bit. The thing is, it's just shot when you take the card, but once you have, you're making your pyramid of pizza. Like once you have the, you make the base, you can only shout the intermediate or harder one. So it's that's the the way the game's designed to try and uh, the catch up mechanic. You have to try the harder ones. That said, it's it's definitely of course this is what you're going to come across with anything like this. Remember, it's a party game, so don't take it too seriously. <laughs> there are plenty of times when the harder one was much easier for us, and meanwhile, like the easy one, which I think for you, Jonathan, would have been easy, but for the three of us, like director. And there was just silence for a good life because <laughs> none of us no can come with the director with it. Yeah. So uh, now I want to, sim- now I want to know the letter. I want to be challenged. I can't remember what the letter was. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's but. fine. <laughs> and of course there are a couple times where they're like, does that count? But whatever, you know, it's, it's a simple, like, like category party game. Got it. Uh, this one really quick on it's lost in the woods. This is actually a solo game that came with, uh, do you remember, Jonathan, when we did a preview video for Sleepy Hollow? Yes, yeah, are, are you talking about games? Legends of Sleepy Hollow? Legends of Sleepy Hollow, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That was four years ago? <laughs> yeah, from Greater Than Games, it's like a campaign game where you, you know, based on the Sleepy Hollow folktale or whatever you call it. Not that. the Disney one that's coming out. Right. From. Yeah, and so that's finally been delivered. Yes. And I played through this whole one. It's a pusher, it's sort of pusher luck game. 
where pretty much you have to try to make it home by flipping over route cards. But if you flip over too many danger cards, your time goes up. And if the clock goes all the way around, you lose. There isn't much there to it. It feels like the kind of game that would be included with with the game. Or like if you went to a convention, if you buy this, you get this too. Got it. Just to be clear, this is Lost in the Woods. Yes, not not, not the, Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> not Sleepy Hollow. The Lost in the Woods is a solo only game. Got it. Like a small, small box, you know, but also based on like the same thing. You are playing as Ichabod Crane running away. Okay. (laughs) Sounds fun. The last one is one that, yes, we can talk about it now. I think is the podcast release, right? Yes. Yes. I think you can, you can talk about it. it. It is the new version of Libertalia, the winds of, Galecrest. This is actually not one I played with. This is one I did solo because I only got it like a day or two ago. And this is a more colorful fantasy. I guess, yeah, Sky Pirates now instead of regular Pirates fantasy remake in which you are pretty much playing multiple rounds to try to gather resources, oh, gather loot in resources that usually give you more loot. The, the, the clever mechanic behind it is everyone has a deck of cards of crew. They're all the same. And at the start for the regular player, but sort of for the single player too, just use an AI deck to do it. You're going to draw six cards that are the crew everyone uses. So everyone's going to have the same cards in hand. It's just, you're going to decide how to play them. They all have different ranks, which trigger how, which abilities in what order and like going back and forth, but you won't play all of them usually, which means Certain people may have certain cards left over, so each round becomes more unique of like what you have available to you. Like I said, I played the single-player version, so it doesn't have nearly as many of those aspects, but it was enough for me to see them and understand the mechanics. And it is very interesting to think, like, you're like, okay, I know this card. Other people have played their 40 card, for example, is the highest rank. Like, I can keep this for that turn when they really need to win first. What's this mechanic called, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> simultaneous action selection actually but i will say have you played the original libertalia i have not this is my first time okay, i should so mention yeah. i'm just gonna jump in here if i'm yeah go, please, please i love libertalia libertalia is such a good game and i've i've you know we've played it a ton of times with a ton of different groups i've never had it fall flat i'm pretty much banned from playing with my daughter now because we always it is insane we just play exactly the same card every single time it's like spooky <laughs> um which is not good for either of us just for the record that's <laughs> not like an advantage that we have in terms of telepathy it tends to, to just deep six both of us but is that all it's games so simple it's got such a variety like you said you draw six cards almost like a bingo kind of a mechanism where everyone's kind of just draws the same six cards out of the 30 or whatever it is now and i think this libertalia has 30 different cards so everyone has the exact same six um and yeah you just over the next you know four rounds or five rounds or whatever it is you you play you each select one and play one and and reveal just reveal them and, and just resolve it so it goes really fast but there's a lot of that double thinking a lot of those just crazy moments where you know just like everybody plays their super high cards in it all and one person sneaks in with the, the you know the rat or the you know whatever the uh, the galley boy and just scoops up all the stuff because everyone else was out thinking everybody um so it's it's a terrific design i'm very excited to to see what they did with it um even if they just reprinted the old one, I'm I'm, wor- I'm I'm just keeping my fingers crossed since they've got the original designer that they didn't screw up too much from the original. Um, I would have been very happy if they just reprinted it because it's very hard to find that old copy and a lot of people haven't really been exposed to it yet. So, 
I mean, I was one of them, but I am curious because you said 30. I don't know. I'm, I'm almost certain the highest card is 40. In yeah, this. it could be. I know. I think they expanded okay. it. They added more. So, it, the current, no, the, well, the original lot, version though. was 30. Yeah, I think it was. So now, because, you know, usually in this kind of reprint, like I've seen tweaks before, maybe they'll add a few things, but 10, at least to me, 10 cards seems like, oh, that's a lot more choices. Well, but you again, up. you still probably just draw the same six, like you said. No, right? in, five in a good six, way. So it doesn't way, matter. Yeah. yeah. So it, it opens the combinatorics a little bit more. And, you know, but mm-hmm. it's easy to play with new, new, new players because, too, because you can. It's, you know, a lot of these games where it, where there's all, so many characters with different special abilities, it's, you know, if people are secretly supposed to have stuff and you don't know what it is, it can be complicated for somebody to explain to somebody what the card they have does without them revealing that they have it. Whereas Libertalia, the first thing you do, you draw six cards at random and that's what everyone has. But as a teacher, you can say, okay, now we're going to go through these six cards and I'll explain to you what they are. So it's very easy to jump into and just, you don't have to explain all 40. You just have to explain six each round and, no, and just go from yeah. there. I actually really like that too because it's it's not that it's open permanently like you're playing chess where everything is known, but you're you're you have the only a very limited set of tools to play with that everyone else has. Right. So you don't have to think like, did he draw his big card or the which card? You you should know generally what they possibly could have. Though of course, I can't wait to play this multiplayer and forget someone had something that they <laughs> yeah. saved for the last round. Right? Because like, I think you, oh, I think oh, you oh, get no. to carry something over too. I think you, it, cool? it, it depends on always the cards you play yeah. because you know you can play extra to play. But yeah, yeah, usually you carry like a few cards over. So then you're like, this is the third round. This is when I play that card that lets me scoop a a, a piece before anyone else, and people forget because they played theirs when they the hand they drew it. Yeah. So it still has that perfect balance, I think, of surprise without being I had to make a custom deck and you need to know how, how uh, flashback works or something. <laughs> right. Uh, my, my question for you, Will, is uh, how does the upkeep for the solo mode compare to other Stonemeyer games? Like, is it because some of them can be kind of, you know. There's a lot you got to deal with with the AI and all that stuff. There, There's a bit of it, but it's once you get into the groove of it, it's not nearly as bad as some of the other ones. Like it really more is just like they group the, the treasure tokens into like good, okay. And bad. And usually you understand, like after you play a little bit, then you understand like, Oh yeah, I understand why the good ones, the good ones usually give at least four worth of gold. So it's once you know that it's, it, it becomes pretty quick. Yeah. And with all due respect to the solo players out there, love you, love you all, but you should not be playing Libertalia with solo. Mode. Yeah, like, no, I, 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 the whole point of Libertalia is this double think, you know, that, that, uh, what the Yomi kind of stuff where you're trying to, so if I, you know, if I, I can't choose the cup in front of me, so I must choose the cup in front of him kind of <laughs> up and back. That's, that's the whole that. point of the game, you know? So just playing uh, against yeah. a random drawer or something like that, I can't uh, imagine that it's going to capture the same kind of fun. I agree. I had like a fun time and that's because first time understanding mechanics. I'm like, okay, I see how this works and stuff. But after playing, I was like, man, if I had other people at the table and be like three, two, one, and just see the cards and like, oh no, (laughs) you know, I I could easily see how that is going to, how the game will shine better. I just think it's, I mean, maybe you can tell us as a designer, I just feel like sometimes granted Stonemaier has, I think the Automa system, which is, I think that for them, received. it's just There's like, like uh, they, they feel like they, they must include it at this point. Yeah. Right. But not even them. I think in general, solo modes seem to be more of a. Yeah. Like it's, you want to it's a thing. Player and, you know, range. even for, and, but it's, you know, it almost becomes like a selling point rather than a. Yeah. I mean, some people are like, we won't right. play, you know, you know, we, we won't buy this game. I, I've had that where I've pitched games to publishers and they're like, we won't 
take this unless you have some kind of a solo mode. And I'm like, this, there's no way this design can have a solo mode. That's just not, you know, it's just not the way it was designed. It's not the experience that I'm trying to get to people, but that's just like, you know, so many companies are just like, that's just check it off. And, you know, and honestly, when we posted like Versailles 1919, right. Which is about, you know, again, about negotiate, it's a negotiation game, right. It's about negotiating the treaty at the end of world war one, um, that, that, that carved up the world. But, um, and you know, one of the first comments we got was, is it going to have a solo mode? It's like, well, it's a negotiation game. And we ended up doing a solo mode, but it was a very, very different game. It wasn't like the exact, the two or three or four player games, but just where you're by yourself. We, I, we, I ended up changing the game completely to, to give you a different experience that I felt was satisfying for solo mode, which some people loved and some people hated, but yeah, you know, yeah, this, this current, it's interesting because it seemed like we'd gotten away from then the seventies and eighties. I grew up in wargaming. Um, not not miniatures wargaming, but you know, like Avalon Hills type wargaming, mm-hmm. and that was all about, you know, the games were rated for solitaire play because it was just so hard to find opponents and stuff like that, and uh, uh, so that was a big thing there, and and then it totally just went away in the in the nineties and the two thousands with Euro games and stuff like that. Is you know, it was easier to find groups and stuff like that, and then for some reason it swung back that everybody wants a solo mode, and I'm just just psych- sociologically, I'm really intrigued by what's been driving that whole factor that people really want there to be a solo mode in every game that they buy. I think part of it, at least in my opinion, is that because Kickstarter making board games in generally more popular and more recognizable, there are more times when you want people to buy it and feel like they can still use the product in the sense of video games, which is funny, I feel like they did the opposite where they're like, everything needs a multiplayer now because we can go online and just like click. When a board game, you, at least it's much harder unless you do a whole camera setup. So they're like, let's do it so they can still play the game. And plus, you know, when when they print on the box, going from one to four versus two to four, you know, the bigger the range, the more likely you'll get someone because they'll be like, that's our play group size. Everyone just has that thought in their head like, well, there might be a day when it's just me and what if I want to play it? What then? Yeah. <laughs> and I can't. <laughs> or or if you're like me, I'll play this game. Just not, not even thinking about player count. And then you just more and more games yeah. you buy. And <laughs> just, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah. The, the, I, there's always certain games that it should be designed for. And I generally speaking, I do love the trend that more and more games have solo modes now, but certainly, uh, Worst case scenario, I could see that taking away resources. You don't. You don't want the designer spending their time figuring that out if it's not the game to make that work with. We don't. We don't need a solo coup or the resistance or whatever. You know, some right. games just don't make sense. Yeah, uh, a, maybe I should do one player one night werewolf. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what am I? If I someone has done it, werewolf <laughs> already, someone's going to do it. Like that's. I someone yeah. will figure that out. I will tell you one thing though, as a designer is you know from having done super skill pinball and actually a new game which I can't talk about yet but is is a is a solo solitaire only game that I'm doing is mm-hmm. it's way faster to design solitaire solo mode games oh, solitaire yeah. games because I you know like even super skill pinball I design the tables in Adobe Illustrator and I just I just play it in Illustrator I just lock the layers of the table and I have little squares and things I just move around in, in Illustrator and then I could add a different layer and then I can wipe off that layer and I'm done you know I don't have to get a bunch of people together I don't have to you know I don't have to pretend to be other sides which is usually the way I do it I play it solo multiplayer but it's from a design standpoint it's delightful 
Yeah, I could see that for sure. I think that's a that's a big plus. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, all of that was in regards to Libertalia Winds of Galecrest, <laughs> which uh, I'm very excited to play. I already was now even more so after hearing uh, you guys talk about it. And uh, goes up for doesn't go for pre order until March, so it's not quite like available yet for most people. Uh, then, real quick, I will also mention the game that I played uh, this week which was the newest expansion for the Marvel Legendary deck building game, Messiah Complex. Uh, I'll have a review up on our YouTube channel for this hopefully soon. But uh, this is, of course, the Marvel deck building game, and this has new X-Men characters and X-Force characters. And I think there's a third X-Team now. I forget what they're called. But they're not the, you know, we're at the point of Legendary where Cyclops is not in this set. These are these are the deep cut <laughs> mutants <laughs> from Marvel, uh, including characters like Strong Guy uh, and Strong Guy. Strong Guy. That's really? his name. That is his, that is the what's printed on the card. Uh, Shatter Blast. Uh, <laughs> all your favorites. You mean you don't remember these characters in the uh, X Men cartoon? <laughs> Truly, like it's impressive to me now that they. Legendary's brand is so strong they can sell these because nobody knows who these characters are. Like you got to be a real deep Marvel nerd to to know these things. Uh, but this is like one of their bigger expansions. They're medium sized now. They don't do like the big boxes anymore. Uh, so it, in, in addition to some new the heroes and villains, it also has um, uh, new sidekicks, new cards, new extra cards you can get from the sidekick stack. And the, the big thing in this game is cloning, which is very interesting because there's now a new keyword that means you'll buy, you'll get a character from the lineup and it'll be someone like perhaps multiple man. There's one people might know. And of course he's famous for there being multiple of him. And if you (laughs) recruit that card, or some of them say if you play it from your hand at a certain time or whatever it is, you get to look through the entire deck of heroes and take a duplicate copy of that card. So by cloning something, you get just two of it right away. So you can like build your deck up really quickly. There's also villains that clone themselves. So a villain comes out and actually now two of them come out and you have to look through the deck for one of those. Interesting mechanic, uh, but it is... Um, uh, it does mean you have to shuffle the decks a lot of times more than you normally would. Cause every time you look <laughs> in it, you have to reshuffle it. So that's a sort of a, a downside to that. There's also a new mechanic uh, called praying where a villain now will quote unquote pray on a, on a specific player. I, I was wondering which vowel was going <laughs> to, uh, yes, this is E Y. <laughs> and well, Hey, why we go with your Messiah complex title. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Good point. (laughs) Um, And uh, this means that a villain goes in front of you and, or whoever it'll be like the player with the least cards in hand or some, some kind of specific condition Uh, that doesn't make sense for legendary, but I don't need, I don't trust me. It has a condition. And if you're unable to beat that villain by the end of that player's turn, they have to suffer a negative effect. So that's kind of interesting, less interesting when you are playing it solo as I was doing, wherein it's just always me, (laughs) uh, but still an interesting mechanic. That's, uh, that's actually from their alien one. Oh, really? Yeah, the face huggers go in front of players like that, and is it usually they praying or or no? No, they just say put it in front of you. But it's the if you don't defeat it, something usually very bad happens. Well, there you go. They're borrowing stuff from all over the place. It's interesting to see this expansion because it's 
at like so late in the and how many expansions there are in the legendary line i feel like they're it be, they become more and more self-referential <laughs> like it's a there's this keyword and that keyword and this storyline is actually a reference to the storyline from this expansion and these characters were part of that too and I, I as much as i still love legendary and i i actually think they're still making good expansions I've, I've for like three years I've been saying it's time to stop. Like I don't I don't know who I don't know what characters are really left for them to do besides these super deep cut ones or just like the new new versions of existing heroes that are already in the game. Uh, I, I really wonder how much longer they're going to continue. But they have expansions announced for at least the rest of this year and probably a couple into twenty twenty three. So. They don't show any signs of stopping, so I guess it continues to sell for them. Uh, but that's uh, Legendary Messiah Complex, and uh, we'll have a, a deeper review of that later on in our channel. That's most of the show, but we do have one final segment because we are going to play a board game game. That's right. This week's board game game, uh, we're going to play the board game drafting game that we have played before. The way this works is each of us is planning a competing hypothetical game night. And we are going to take turns drafting different games from a specific category. And once one person has selected that game, no one else can select it. And then at the end of the game, we're going to see who has the the greatest game night of them all. Now, of course, just recently this week was Valentine's Day, romantic sort of an occasion. So I thought for the theme for this board game draft, we're going to go with uh, games to play with a romantic partner or significant other for a date night of some kind. So now, because that's (laughs) it, I'm imagining there really is just there's one person that we're all trying to woo and the other two. <laughs> if that's how you'd like to picture the game, yes, that could be the scenario. This person is only going to date the one who has the coolest game night set up. This is, what, what's <laughs> the old dating game where like you had the one person behind and yeah, had the three? Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's kind of like that. Uh, now, Bachelor this, number one, what would you bring to game night? <laughs> <laughs> now, there's no Trimble, real... I love deck building. These... What card? <laughs> These games do not have to be uh, specific specifically romance themed they don't even have to specifically be two player if you don't want maybe it's a couple's night or maybe you're just playing a two-player version of another game that you think would fit best uh for a date night uh but that's sort of the guidelines i think usually we do uh we'll say we'll start with three and if we're feeling confident we'll do a fourth uh but we do this snake style so jeff you get can decide and, and of course, feel free to Google as much as you want to, if you can't think of a game. Would you like to ha- take the first pick or you can go third? And if you go third, you'll get to do two in a row. Uh, I'll go first. That's fine. All right. Then then beginning with you, what what is what's the first game that you're going to present for your romantic evening? Um, well, I. It could go either way with this game, but I, I feel like, you know, it's the natural choice and has to be thrown out and that would be fog of love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good pick to take up front. Cause that's mm-hmm. definitely a, that's a top contender. Yeah. Uh, and like, is there a, uh, I think there is maybe a two V two mode in that game. Right. But, but yeah, I think although, that- you know, your insistence on having this more than two players is you're telling us a lot about your relationship status. So. I'm trying to open up things up, you know, <laughs> sure. I'm exploring the polyamorous hey, lifestyle. <laughs> no judgment here. 
<laughs> just an observation. <laughs> I also feel like uh, there's kind of two ways this night can go. You can try to pick games that are sort of more comfortable and probably going to give you a good time. Or I feel like Fog of Love is in the category of almost testing your relationship. Yes. <laughs> testing the strength of your communication. Yeah, as like I said, skills. it could go either way. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is, but it's also just one, I think, in terms of a two-player game, it's just still, ha- for me, has such a unique experience. That's why I was like, no! <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're smart to pick it first. All right, so uh, <laughs> what do we usually do? Will, you're going to go second, I guess? <laughs> oh, I, I guess I can. Yeah, great. <laughs> great. Um, okay, so I think I'm going to start off with a little bit of competition, but one that I enjoy a lot, and that's Jaipur. I think that is a great head-headed. Yes, it's not the love theme, but it is the back-and-forth theme that has a little bit of competitiveness, but it's not one I felt like that tends to leave someone sour at the table. Yeah, yeah. Jaipur, I, both So far, both of your picks are games that definitely would have made my short list. I think both very good choices for a two-player evening with somebody. Uh, so my pick, I, I'll, I'll pick another specifically two-player game that I feel like could get snatched up uh, okay. And that is Patchwork, which to, mm-hmm. to me, that's the quintessential. Yep. It was like two player game. Choice. It's competitive, but it's not too cutthroat and it's cute. It's got a cute little theme of quilting, you know, uh, easy to play set up. That, that's just a fun one. And as I said, snake style means I get to take my second pick right now. And I think what I'm going to pick for this one I'm going to go kind of broad here. I'm going to say an exit game, uh, an exit escape room box of some kind. I feel like that's that's kind of a fun, more unique type of an activity that, to experience with somebody. I mean, part of me was thinking, do I say Sherlock Holmes again? Just because it's a fun, <laughs> solemn mystery game together. Well, it's back to you now, Will, for your second uh, choice. Uh, so it, it is. You can say it if you want, or you just gave it away, maybe. <laughs> No, the problem here, I feel like usually in this game, you know, it's just, oh, we have like dragon theme or something like what's a fun one. But because it's one on one, I'm I it really does matter who that one is. (laughs) And I'm trying to think like this is your ideal date. (laughs) uh, Well, then my ideal date, we're going to play a card game, but I'm not saying that because I just (laughs) no bad will. Um, You you know what I'm going to go with? We're going to keep it like a bit more competitive. But it's a one I think is so much fun. That's Seven Wonders Duel. Hmm. I love the the drafting style of it. It still has the build up a tableau and doing things, but it, it, it and it's still creating a fun experience. And it is two player related, so it does still keep that in mind. And it's one that I haven't played with the expansions yet, but I, I really do want to try them out. Yeah, heard good things about those expansions. All right, so Seven Wonders Duel, good, another good classic two player game. All right, Jeff, back to you for your second game of the game night. And then you'll get a third pick right after that. So Okay. Well, I kind of went back and forth with a couple here, but I'm going to go. Um, so, I, I again, I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, this game is, you know, good good for a date. You know, you're going to get get a little closer to somebody. You know, I'm kind of thinking about it in, in that context here. So I'm going to go with Micro Macro. Mm. Um, with the uh, giant spread out map and you're both leaning over it, trying to, um, uh, uh, you know, trying to, trying to solve the crime. So that's kind of like the, the, the exit a little bit uh, also is sort of in that same mold, but I think this is a, a, a little bit different. And that's, that's, that's a real, I think that game is best at two players as well. 
Yeah, that's a game that I, I have the the uh, new version on on my shelf and haven't had the chance to try it yet. And uh, but I but I feel like yes, I get that sense that that's going to be that's a very good choice. Uh, all right, and and your third one. Well, uh, since you went with your um, oops, wrong. Since you went with your deep cuts for uh, your your heroes. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know the uh, the amazing strong guy uh i'm gonna go a little bit deeper here and i'm gonna go with uh consentacle from 2014 all right please Uh, tell me about this game (laughs) which is the um from naomi clark uh who who now teaches uh, uh teaches with me at myu uh so this is a two player game uh about um a uh a female and a uh, human and an alien, a tentacled alien of indeterminate uh, uh, sex that are trying to um, uh, develop trust and uh, relationships through various forms of touching each other. So that is uh, consentical. It's a card game uh, with uh, some fairly risque tentacle based <laughs> illustrations. So, <laughs> so I'm going with uh, consentical. That sounds very interesting. I almost wondered at first if it maybe that was an RPG because I feel like I'm not going to pick any, but I there's a, there's a few like interesting romance themed or specifically two player role playing games out there too that maybe uh, brush up on some of that territory. But Consentical, yes, I, I gotta look this one up. All right, Will, <laughs> back to you now for your third pick. Uh, honestly, I am just, I don't know. I know you were going to, you were hoping to take consentical, but it's off the board. Now. Uh, you, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, that was my game ender. You know, that that's the way you end the date night. Sure. Um, I, I feel I went with two smaller, but still c- competitive games. I need something that I think mellows it out and keeps us together. And I think, I'm going to go with a classic that doesn't need to be two player, but I still think it'd work. And that's Hanabi. Mm. I think just something that it's not too much talking, but we're working together. It's one of those ways that we'll have the moment, just see what happens. And it's, it's a, it's a great classic, even like not just for two players, but uh, something that I think should help mellow out. When uh, I get I get grumpy from losing the first two, <laughs> we've discussed this before, but it's funny that for you, Hanabi is mellowing out. For me, that's a very stressful game to play. Yeah. <laughs> I guess when I, in my head, mellow, I, I, yeah, still, but I, I guess not in the sense where it's like because in my head, a lot you're of working together. To yes, yeah, right. In that sense, it, it, it is that. I think that's another that's another one like Fog of Love that's going to maybe test your your relationship. But hey, another because you're not you're not allowed to talk about the game. That means you're you can have conversation with each other normally so maybe that's a good uh a good avenue to take i know i don't have any conversation starters (laughs) (laughs) you've trapped yourself now the crew also i mean i mean any i feel like the crew the mind any of those uh, the mind would be a really interesting one too (laughs) see if you're really the mind would be good yeah Yeah. that would be a good choice but that is not (laughs) it's not where you're going uh the the one i gotta pick for number three is one of my favorite under the radar games from uh, 2020, I believe, uh, from Cherry Picked Games. It's Far Away. Oh my God! Uh, How did I think of that? Sort of similar along the lines of what you're saying with Hanabi. Far Away is a strictly two-player co-op uh, sci-fi adventure game. Uh, but anytime you are on a different tile from your partner, you are, aren't allowed to talk to each other. And then when you like reconvene. 
you get to discuss your plans. So I think that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty good test as well. Of uh, it's kind of a, a, a middle ground. There's not as much communication, but you still get to talk a little bit as time goes on. And you role play as different monsters in there, so you can you can get creative with that and have fun with that too. Uh, all right, shall we stop there? We what do we think? That's we got a good. We each got a good three. Uh, romantic games, so to speak. Uh, Jeff's game night is Fog of Love, Micro Macro, and Consentical. Will's is Jaipur, Seven Wonders Duel, and Hanabi. Mine is Patchwork, Exit, and Far Away. Uh, I mean, we can let listeners tell us who, who they want to date most based on these <laughs> options. Uh, but I think these are all actually pretty good. I think these are pretty good pretty good selection here uh jeff i believe you are married do you play games with your wife and like is there a specific kind of game you play or does she not into it at all no no she'll do it um you know i it's not her top choice for an activity but you know she is is happy to play stuff we play um uh patchwork um she's a big fan of like code names and code names duet was kind of on my short list oh that's a good choice too um yeah, we've played micro macro and stuff like that. And, you know, and when the kids are, you know, home or whatever, or uh, with my mother who also loves to play games, we'll, we'll, we'll do stuff. She also loves deck builders. So no, she, she plays. That's good. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, Codenames do had a good choice. I also was thinking of another obscure game that Will and I like called, and then we held hands. Yes. That's but, very good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very much, very much on a theme, kind of like fog of love. Like <laughs> now I'm just imagining choosing, and then we held hands, Hanabi, and far away. You want no talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this mind. might say something Just about you. Take it off with the mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Communication issues there. Uh, well, that's our board game draft, and that's our show. And Jeff, as promised, you've earned plenty of experience points for helping us out this episode, and you get to spend them right now by telling anyone listening how they can follow you online or what projects maybe you have coming up they can look forward to. Uh, sure. Well, um, first off, thanks again for having me on. It was a blast. Um, but if people are, are interested in, in following what I do, the, the best place is on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. It's, it's at G Engelstein, which is uh, G-E-N-G-E-L-S-T-E-I-N. And um, uh, there, there's also a link to my uh, newsletter. I do a, a game tech newsletter. Um, uh, the game tech, uh, uh, podcast uh, segment, which is part of the dice tower is, is ending. I just recorded the final one that the, the, the dice tower podcast is ending. That's why I'm, oh, right. I'm kind of retiring that, but we will continue mm-hmm. with the newsletter. Um, yeah. And in terms of games, um, you know, in the short term, we've got, um, the, uh, super skill pinball ramp it up just came out a couple months ago. We've got the new star Trek one that's going to be coming out in, um, in May and the uh, building blocks of tabletop game design book. Uh, the second edition of that is going to be releasing in March. So those, those are the, the short term biggie stuff, but yeah, awesome. always, always fun stuff coming out. And that'll be, uh, you know, Amazon Kindle, yeah, you all get that, that you get mm-hmm. that a whole bunch of different places. Yeah. All right, great. We will put links in the show notes to all those places where you can, where people can follow you and find all that yes. stuff. I will tell people that the book is, it's it's considered a the publisher considered as a textbook and it is priced as a textbook. I don't have any say in the pricing, so interesting. Just putting that out there. <laughs> oh, I wonder. I can't wait for a college course to <laughs> to require it. <laughs> uh, I I do in my course. I, I teach oh, game design anyway. Oh, and I, yes, go. that's been a long held dream of mine. I really only wrote the book so I could force the students to buy it. It was really it's. 
Where, yeah. where can I get the audio version? <laughs> Done by uh, George Costanza, of course. There you go. <laughs> um, we had uh, the character, not the actor. The actual. <laughs> well, I was referencing the the actual episode, so mm. it's mm. So all right. I thought okay. that would no, be yeah. more all right. All right. Yeah, I did. I, you're right. I didn't pick up on it. Uh, <laughs> thank you again, Jeff, for taking the time. It was fun to hear your insight and game design and all your other thoughts this week. And if people listening want to find more Roll for Crit, you can go to our website, rollforcrit.com. Find all our videos as well as our Patreon page where we have uh, bonus podcasts and our Discord channel. You can rate and review us on iTunes. That helps us out. Or if you have a question or comment about board games, we'll read it on the show. If you email us, meeplegallery at gmail.com. Join our Meeple Gallery. But that's it for this episode. I'm Jonathan. I'm Will. And this has been Roll for Crit. Bye. Bye.